Welcome to Bradley's Micro Board Review, where we try to make your board's review for microbiology a little less painful. But, I mean, we're not magicians or anything. This still sucks. Diphtheria occurs when a person has a sore throat, fever, and cervical lymphadenopathy. The bacteria, Carinobacterium diphtheriae, will typically infect the pharynx and cause the formation of a gray-white plaque. This plaque can look like exudative pharyngitis, but the tissue damage is so extensive a pseudomembrane forms. This membrane is actually still attached to the tissue and will cause bleeding if the membrane is scraped. That is why this is called pseudomembranous pharyngitis. As the infection progresses, it will cause a cervical lymphadenopathy and edema of the pharynx, causing the appearance of a bull's neck. Diphtheria toxin is the major virulence factor and is an AB toxin. The B unit binds to the receptors on host cells and initiates endocytosis of the toxin. The A subunit causes the ribosylation of the eukaryotic elongation factor 2, which inactivates this enzyme and causes a complete stop to all protein translation. This obviously kills the cell. The genes for the diphtheria toxin is located on the beta phage, which is a lysogenic bacteriophage which integrated into the bacterial genome. Not all strains of Clostridium diphtheriae have this phage, and therefore, not all strains have the toxin. Diagnosis of diphtheria is typically clinical, but it can be confirmed by growing organisms on the cysteine tellurite auger. It will produce a black colony on this auger. Gram staining, this organism will reveal gram-positive organisms with bipolar staining. This can be described as at either a safety pin or a maraca, depending on the strain. One cool test is the ELEC test, which can detect the presence of the diphtheria toxin by producing an X on the filter paper that was soaked with anti-diphtheria toxin antibodies. The DTAP vaccine is a very effective toxoid vaccine against the diphtheria toxin. The Tdap vaccine has a slightly smaller amount of the same toxoid vaccine. Therefore, the immunity patients receive will be against the toxin, not the organism. This is why many patients can have non-pathogenic Clostridium diphtheria organisms and still be vaccinated. If a patient presents with diphtheria, there is a diphtheria antitoxin, which is a horse antibody intramuscular injection. Erythromycin is an effective antibody against Clostridium diphtheria. The toxin is capable of killing neuronal cells and calling polyneuritis, as well as killing myocytes, causing myocarditis. Now let's take all that knowledge and bring it to the boards. A nine-year-old male presents to the clinic for a sore throat and fever for the last five days. Vital signs reveal a temperature of 100.2, a blood pressure of 110 over 90, a heart rate of 153, a respiratory rate of 22, and an oxygen saturation of 75% on room air. Past medical history revealed incomplete immunizations. Physical examination revealed inflamed tonsils with white patches. He had bilateral neck tissue swelling that was soft, tender, and without fluctuation or rash. 
He was experiencing inspiratory stridor and poor air entry, but no adventitious sounds. Laboratory results reveal a serum white blood cell count of 30,300 cells per microliter and a creatinine level of 1.7 mg per deciliter. A throat swab culture showed a gram-positive bacilli and a positive ELIC test. What kind of vaccine is currently approved to prevent this infection? Is it A, live attenuated, B, inactivated, C, toxoid, or B, polysaccharide? First, diagnose the patient. The patient is presenting with pharyngitis with neck swelling, which is positive for the ELIC test. This is highly suggestive for pseudomembranous pharyngitis. Pseudomembranous pharyngitis presents as an exudative pharyngitis that bleeds when manipulated. Cervical lymphadenopathy, neck swelling presenting as a bull's neck, fever, dyspnea, and difficulty swallowing. Choice A, live attenuated vaccines are when a pathogen is still intact but is weakened by multiple replications in an environment that isn't ideal for the pathogen. This way to create vaccines is arguably m the most effective, but can be dangerous if the pathogen ever reactivates or if the vaccine is given to a patient with an immunocompromised state. Choice B, an inactivated vaccine is when a pathogen is destroyed into its parts, usually by heat. This is a safer way to create vaccines, but it doesn't do as well at activating the immune system. Choice C, toxoid vaccines, are injections of parts of very scary toxins so that antibodies can form and hopefully neutralize any toxins that the patient comes in contact with in the future. This doesn't prevent an infection, but protects the patient from the effects of the toxin. Choice D, a polysaccharide vaccine is typically used when an infectious agent is surrounded by a polysaccharide capsule. The immune system has a hard time seeing through the capsule, so the vaccine is intended to help the body determine that this capsule is a bad guy. Polysaccharide vaccines never init initiate T-cell immunity because T-cells never see polysaccharides, only proteins. Therefore, this vaccine only ever activates B-cells memory responses. Therefore, the correct answer is C, toxoid. You can find our study calendar, a guide on how to study microbiology specifically for the boards, our contact email address, and references used to make this episode at thebradleylab.wordpress.com. If you found an error or would like to discuss any of this information, please leave us a voice message in the show notes. If you appreciated this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend. This podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, and it would be a big help for us if you could submit a review. This podcast was written and edited by me, Jillian Bradley. See you tomorrow.